0: The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com.
1: Hello, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. There's no better way to troll your Trump supporter friends than by picking up Bubble Genius's own tiny orange hand soap set. Give yourself a hand or take two. They're small, tiny in fact. Teeny tiny. They're orange, of course, and smells appropriately of circus peanuts in honor of the GOP's clown dictator. Am I right, folks? Only $12 at BubbleGenius.com, but if you use our promo code Chez at checkout, you'll get an additional 15% off only at BubbleGenius.com. And now let the cartoons begin. <laughs>
0: Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Yeah, we both did.
2: She went to college, too. I went to Normandale for about a year and a half. Yeah, that's where we met. But I dropped out, though. Yeah, she dropped. Yeah. So where are your girls from? Chaska. Le But I went to high school in White Bear Lake. Go bears.
0: okay I want you to tell me what these fellas looked like well the little guy he was kinda funny looking in what way I don't know just funny looking can you be any more specific I couldn't really say he wasn't circumcised was he funny looking apart from that yeah so you were having sex with a little fella then Uh uh-huh is there anything else you can tell me about him no. Like I say, he was funny looking. More than most people, even. What about the other fella?
2: He was a little older. You know, he looked like the Marlboro man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But maybe I'm saying that, you know, because he smoked a lot of Marlboros. Uh-huh. You know, like a subconscious
0: type of thing. Oh, yeah. That can happen. Yeah. Hey, they said they were going to the Twin Cities. Oh, yeah?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is that useful to you?
0: Oh, you betcha. Yeah. Yeah. We're having fun because we're Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. I'm ugly, I stink, I love Satan, I kill my baby. (laughs) It is Tuesday, March 14,
1: 2017, and this is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. God damn it, I almost said the Bob and Chez show right there. Stop myself at the last (laughs) moment. (laughs) We are brought to you by BubbleGenius.com. It's the best goddamn soap in the world. Go buy lots of soap from BubbleGenius.com. Also brought to you by the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen. Uh, Get free legal advice at TheBowenLawGroup.com slash Bob and Chez. That still works. Free legal advice from Charles Bowen right there. Or just click the link of the podcast page. That's the easiest way to get to it. Okay, lots of things to talk about on today's goddamn show. Uh, well, Why don't we do this? Why don't we bring in our guest today, huh? Jody Hamilton. Jody!
2: Jody on the show! Hey, Bob Seska. How are you?
1: There she. Oh my God! I thought this day would never happen. I thought this day would <laughs> never come. Jody Hamilton on this show right here on this show right now.
0: I'm excited to be here.
1: Thank you so much for coming on today. I really, really appreciate it. You're sitting there in the seat. You're sitting there in the ches seat. Does the does the chair still have the uh, the ches odor to it?
2: <laughs> it has a little bit, but I got big shoes to fill, man.
1: <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I, I, you know, you're one of those people who I've wanted to have on the show forever and ever and ever and ever and finally this is i mean in the uh, entertainment business as you as you know they call this a get this is a, <laughs> this is a big get i got jody I, hamilton here
2: you have you have low standards bob seriously <sighs>
1: My God. You know, we first met, um, Jody, by the way, Jody Hamilton is from the Stephanie Miller Show. She does a podcast called From the Bunker, which is an amazing show. You've got just celebrated. How many years did you? Know, it, how long?
2: Eight years will be this Wednesday. It'll be our eighth anniversary. Um, I've only wow. missed one show in eight years. It was when I was hosting for Stephanie and I was like, I can't do this one more hour.
1: That's a good excuse. You, you actually had to go and do a different show. It wasn't like, oh, I don't want to do a show today. That's good, no, it wasn't
2: that. I, 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 that. It was the only time, and, and I was berated for it naturally.
1: <laughs> yeah, but usually that's my excuse. I uh, was just too sleepy. I was going to sleep <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, that's an amazing thing to be able to do a podcast for for this long, and it, and everything's going well with the show. It's going strong, huh? It
2: is. I mean, thankfully, thanks in a lot part to Stephanie. I mean, uh, being on her show has gotten our listenership up, you know, tenfold and and oh, yeah. uh, more and more every day. And mm-hmm. I mean, it started off as the Ham and Legs show back in the day with my friend Sean. I love that. Ham and, and Legs. Ham and Legs. I'm Ham. He was Legs. <laughs> And, uh, my but you mom could,
1: you know, you could also be both ham and legs. You know that right? I
2: could, I could, but uh, <laughs> no. My mom named Sean Legs back in the early '80s.
1: Oh, that's good, and and so and your mom, of course, is uh,
2: uh, mom. Let me think. I can place it. I've seen her on TV. <laughs> yeah, uh, Carol Burnett is my mother. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: crowd going wild yes carol burnett now i've got to tell you and i a couple of things on this um first of all let me ask you this do you ever get tired of always being introduced by saying hey here's jody hamilton and carol burnett carol burnett's her her mom oh my god did do well, that ever it's wear on you?
2: I'm used to it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it is what it is, what it is. I've mm-hmm. been doing this for 50 years, so I'm kind of used to it.
1: And you're very close with your mom, and you do, you still do a lot of uh, production work for her, don't you?
2: I, I, with her last book, uh, which was about her show, she hired me to watch six years of her show. Wow. Um, it was 129, it was 129 and a half hours of television. Oh my God. And each show I had to kind of do like a book report on it. So mm-hmm. from Q and a through the end of the show to kind of state what happened in each sketch, what happened during Q and a, if anybody broke character, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. And it took about, it was about three pages per show. So I was getting through about a show and a half a day, and it took about six hours a day to do it.
1: And and did yes. you find it, I mean, was it one of those things where you were kind of slogging through it, or did you find yourself, oh my God, I can't wait to put the next one in to see what, what happens next, right?
2: Well, what was funny was there was an episode where I almost did the report by itself without watching the show, because I remembered the show so well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, every now and then I'd bring Lonnie in because I was sitting in our dining room and I had one computer playing the DVD and the other one that I was typing. And so it was kind of this weird little setup that I had going. And there was this one. Natalie Cole was a guest on the show. Beautiful woman, wonderful singer. But whatever Bob Mackie was thinking, I do not know. Because they she was in this lovely green gown and and they had these kind of gold like. Paint on her with like music mm. notes, which is fine. But then they had her hair up and what looked like antenna coming out of her head.
1: Oh my god! That's that sounds like Bob Mackie was uh, was enjoying some, shall we say, substances between shows.
2: <laughs> I know Lonnie. Every time I'd bring Lonnie and he guys, they were on drugs. Everybody was. On drugs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I, I, it's it's funny that kind of show at that period of time. I would imagine that. Especially like in the 70s in LA, it, you know, doing a variety show where it's every week you've got to produce. It's like Saturday Night Live where you, you start from yeah. zero and you've got to construct an entire show. It's not like an episodic thing where it's, you know, you have regular characters and you're following a narrative from show to show to show. It's doing sketch, doing variety is brand new every single time. And God damn, I, I have to tell you, and, and I'm glad we, we went down this road because I wanted to say, the Carol Burnett show, Your Mom's Show, was literally the first show that I ever saw as a kid where I discovered that adults could be hilarious. <laughs> and it was it was at a very young age. And so that was really like my first influence in adult-level comedy beyond just, you know, the cartoons that I would watch and everything Saturday morning shows and things like that. When I saw Your Mom's Show, and especially you know those classic sketches with with Harvey and Tim Conway and right. your mom and just and when they would break up it the spontaneity of the show too was always really gratifying to watch and and exciting in a way because you never knew what was going to happen there was always this you know the, the series of sketches and performances and and then not knowing what was going to happen next especially when you get Tim Conway in the mix and i should say too that your dad was the producer on the show. Joe Hamilton was the the producer yes, of the Carol show, and that's how is that exactly how your your parents met?
2: No, they met on the Gary Moore show in the in 1962.
1: Oh, okay, okay. And did they did they um, were they already together by the time the Carol show started, or did they? It was sort of a long burn, like a slow burn, <laughs> until the show started, no, they, and then they were really yeah. Cool.
2: No, they were together. The show premiered in 1967, uh, nine months after I was born.
1: Oh, okay. All right, good. Now I've finally got the the chronology there. Just going back to your podcast really quick, and and I know we both have this link to The Stephanie Miller Show, and I wanted to say, again, just how valuable that is. Between Stephanie and and especially... uh prior to the time he he left the show but we would always you know you we probably experienced the same thing i experienced with this show which is the chris Lavoy bump every time chris Lavoy me- mentions the show suddenly we're in the top 20 on itunes which is just, <laughs> it's like he's got the uh the midas touch or something but it's, it's it's really stephanie who sets the table for everything and has uh has uh really helped us both out in in, in many different ways but uh uh, I'm just always grateful for that. And so, um, you know, we got to spend some time with her at, uh, yeah. at, at Chess's at Memorial. Thing, yeah. yeah, unbelievable. That was such a great event, wasn't it? They did a really good it job was, with that.
2: It was the woman that spoke uh, second when she everybody started crying. I'm like, what a downer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Stop crying already.
1: Well, you know, Stephanie was right, too, because she had observed that, um, you know, I kind of, I, well, I t- kind of confided in her later that I said, you, you know, I got up and I spoke first. But then everyone else got up and I'm like, ah, I got to say something else. I got to run up there. I had to do like a Kristen Wig from Bridesmaids where I just I can't stop mentioning things. Oh, I've got to. That was really good. I've got to get up there now and say something that was that good because I went first and I didn't know what the hell to say. So because well, yeah, I had so basically,
0: are, unless
2: you prepare it ahead of time, those are really difficult things to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I actually kind of thought about it a little, and I've kind of t- I've talked about Chez uh, on hey. the show, and I, I've written about him and and everything that happened, and I I almost felt like I, I don't know I don't know what else to say about Chez. I've said everything <laughs> I've wanted to say, but uh, but I but I felt like even then once I saw all of these amazing tributes to Chez that came after mine. I felt like there. I still haven't said enough, and so I, I really. I mean, and it came from a genuine place. I still. I wanted to get up there and say some more, but uh, and then uh, Taryn's brother got up and played violin to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, wow. which is just. There's not a dry eye in the house at that point. The uh, the he fu- was
0: amazing.
1: That was just incredible, and it wasn't just he's playing the the long slow notes along with it. I mean, he was just, he was virtuosic. I mean, it was a is that a word, virtuosic? I'm not sure. Someone
2: uh, you're the writer not me.
1: <laughs> Someone check the SAT manual for me. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it was really kind of amazing to see that, but of course, that song first of all is just is so dramatic, and especially when you think of it in terms of the cover version by Jeff Buckley and uh, just really emotional and really dramatic to hear that. And it was such a nice tribute to Chez. And then the video, the, uh, a friend of uh, of Terrence put together a video uh, tribute to, to Chez, and we got to see lots of embarrassing childhood photos of Chez that would just make him absolutely cringe.
2: It's in my will that there will be no fat pictures of me.
1: <laughs> I can't um. imagine. there There are uh, no fat pictures of you. Are you kidding? What?
2: Oh, there, uh, Chris Lavoie. And I quote said, Oh, those are unfortunate. Wow. <laughs> oh, and they're out there. They're in the public eye. You can just Google Jody Hamilton on Getty images. Just do it. Just what, do it. I, you'll be I, like, Oh, how unfortunate for you.
1: Well, you know, what was that? What was it like? Really? I mean, I'm sure you've asked been asked this question about a million times and, and but we'll talk about politics here in a second. But we really I mean, I've been waiting to get you on the show for years now. I mean, literally years. So what was it like um and and forgive me if this is a question that you've been badgered with you know for, for the last god knows how long what was it like to to grow up in that sort of um celebrity household
2: Well I mean my parents made it a point to be home for dinner every night mm-hmm. um and they scheduled their vacations from the the show during our school vacations Nice um, which is, I think, why television is set up the way it is, where you have the fall premieres in the spring. It's, it's everybody does that with their kids. Um, uh, but they were home every night except for Thursday nights, and then Friday was tape day, and so Thursday nights was block and pre-tape if they had to pre-tape anything. So that was a later day, mm-hmm. and we'd be in bed because I, like I said, the show started when I was nine months old. Um, wow. So, but Monday, I mean, they were home when we were home from school basically, and because uh, they would set it up that way, they could, because they could. And, on uh, on Thursdays was a late night and then Fridays after school, we would go directly to the, uh, to studio 33 at CBS um, television city.
0: Yeah.
2: And we'd see that they'd tape the same show twice in front of two different audiences and we would go to the five o'clock show and it would take about an hour and a half to shoot the hour long show. So just put that in a perspective on how they shoot shows now. Yeah, right. And um, uh, they'd take a dinner break. And if they did any rewriting during dinner, then they would do the changes then. And they sh- they'd old audience out, new audience in at eight o'clock and shoot the show again. And rarely would they stop tape in front of the audience because they didn't want to ruin the
1: moment, which <laughs> yeah. is why
2: you get a lot of laughter. And why. And my dad always said, if it's funny, it airs.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you could tell. I mean, that was really the the greatest thing about that. As I said before, it was those moments when they would break script and it was usually because of Tim Conway uh, okay. or your mom for that matter, for God's sake, just absolutely. I mean, one of the, I would say in the pantheon of maybe the top three or four funniest people, Uh, In the history of the United States and
2: mom's a woman. So we know she's not funny. Just ask Jerry Lewis. I
1: forgot about that rule that women aren't funny. You know, it's it's really too bad. I'm sorry. I was hoping to get a few laughs out of today's show, by the way. And, you know, you're since you're a woman. There's going to be no laughs, no jokes. It's going to be completely serious. So
2: absolutely. But yeah, I mean, we would see the show on Fridays and then, you know, weekends all the time. I remember during Golden Globes one year. We, you know, we went to bed early because we were kids. Mm-hmm. And in the morning, my mom, the show had won a bunch of gold Globes, So we each had our own golden globe on our placemats for breakfast. Oh, my
1: God. That is so awesome. That is great. <laughs> and what do you think when you wake up and there are these uh, these trophies on your placemats we're, for breakfast? Yeah, it's,
2: congratulations. Yay, good for you. But it's because it, one my one of my oldest friends is Dean Martin's daughter. I've known, we've known each other since we were about 4 Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up with Mindy Rickles and and the Newhart kids and the Conway kids, you know, and, and Harvey's kids. So we were all kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, the joke that I had when I was younger, <laughs> Mindy and I, when we were in first or second grade, instead of playing, you know, Cowboys and Indians or whatever, we played Agent and Star. Oh, okay. <laughs> I knew the meaning of the word residual, mm-hmm. but not as something left over, but a check you get in the mail. <laughs>
1: Right. So there are That's some. So, I mean, it's so it's so Hollywood that you were playing like one of you. Who was the agent? Who played the agent?
2: That would be me.
1: <laughs> Great. So you actually, through performance, you were probably prepared for having to deal with agents at some point, right? Well, through, I wanted through to be one until
2: I was ten.
1: Oh my God! See now that I mean, typically it's like I want to be a fireman. I want to be an astronaut. I want to uh, be in the ballet. I want to be an agent.
0: that's not one you
1: usually hear
2: well I discovered the who at 10 and then I realized well agents don't really do much for bands so I want to be a manager
1: well okay right right this is more personal and more advisory and less deal making yeah yeah I think that would have been a better role for you as as, it's just determining between those two things I think manager has more of a soul and the agent has much less of a soul so I think you'd be better at the managing (laughs) (laughs)
2: i did actually do that for a little while and i failed spectacularly so
1: (laughs) oh so you did so you did try that you did go when did you do that
2: i uh i actually went to school for it up in stockton uh and uh i graduated and then i went to colorado and went got some more schooling to learn how to engineer and produce and Mm. uh came home and i got a job working for a manager who didn't pay me very well or at all for six weeks um (laughs) <laughs> quit him and then started my own company and had that for a little while and failed miserably
1: well that's um one of the funniest stories i think i've ever heard was uh, a story you told me it was actually at, at stephanie miller's house uh after doing a uh, a happy hour podcast uh mm-hmm. stephanie miller.com subscribe and uh and and we were talking i don't know how the conversation ended up on Tim Conway and Ernie Anderson, who Ernie mm. Anderson, those of you who don't know who Ernie Anderson is, you probably know who his son is, Paul Thomas Anderson, the director of my all-time favorite movie, Boogie Nights, and uh, and so many other great films. But Ernie Anderson was also um, one of these just gigantic testicular kind of announcers. Absolutely. and And those of you who grew up in the 70s and 80s, uh, know his voice, but and here's sort of a little bit of taste of Ernie Anderson
0: tonight on America's Funniest People. Like, the studio audience will choose who will make my This is Ernie Anderson,
1: and you told me one of the funniest stories about the two of them driving around. And I want to take a uh, a short break here to talk about uh, Blue Apron. But when we come back, I want to hear that story, and then I then I promise we'll jump into uh, talking. I'll try about... to
2: remember what I said. <laughs>
1: It was something about the two of them driving around and they were hammered and they were playing pranks on, they played a prank on a, on a cop.
2: Oh, okay, now I know what this story is that story
1: is, is Is that a story you're even allowed to tell? I should have even... It's I actually, have...
2: it's a specifically Tim Conway story and yes, I can talk about it.
1: Okay, great. Well, that's that's exciting. I can't wait to hear uh, hear that story again, all right? And uh, it's just, it's one of those great sort of nineteen seven. what is it, I assume it was in the 70s, it was the 70s, yeah. <laughs> yes, the 70s in Hollywood. Oh, my God. Okay, let's talk about uh, Blue Apron because I'm terrible in the kitchen. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. If it was up to me, I would, uh, Jody, I would eat the same goddamn thing every night. And and sometimes I actually do. But along comes, uh, comes Blue Apron with their fresh ingredients and in their pre portioned uh, packaging where all I got to do is take all the ingredients and. Mash them up. There, I mean, everything's measured out. There's no math involved. It just says, "Okay, now put this in, and I put this in, and it makes food, and it really, really amazingly great food." Blue Apron is the uh, is the number one fresh ingredient in recipe delivery service in the entire nation. Its mission is to uh, make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron has established partnerships with. This is amazing. 150 local farms, fisheries, ranchers across the United States. Consequently, the uh, seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in uh, partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Beef, chicken, and pork comes from responsibly raised animals. Produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. And it can be delivered uh, to 99% of the continental United States and 99.5% of food desserts. Mmm, Yummy. Uh, coming up next at uh, Blue Apron, you can get salmon piccata with orzo and broccoli, pork chops and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple, vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. That that one right there. That is one that I got to have. Spicy shrimp coconut curry uh, with cabbage and rice. Everything comes to you. Fresh guaranteed. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C, Bob C. You'll love uh, how good it feels and tastes to, uh, to to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's BlueApron.com slash B-O-B-C. Blue Apron, a better way to cook.
0: Watching. <clears throat> it's watching. It's watching me. Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com
1: It's going out to uh, Kellyanne Conway (laughs) who's
0: uh, being spied
1: on by those transforming microwaves Yeah, she's got
2: very interesting microwaves
1: (laughs) It's like the lamest the world's lamest transformer Oh, what'd you get? Did you get Optimus Prime or did you get Bumblebee or something? So those are the only Transformers I can name by name. Uh, Did you get Optimus Prime or Bumblebee? No, I got the uh, Transformer that transforms from a microwave into a camera. That's really exciting. That's a lot of fun. That's
0: the funniest thing in the world.
1: (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Oh, my God. Just the fact that. I don't know. They just, they read stuff. This is how the Trump administration works. They read stuff or they see stuff on TV and it's automatically true. They believe everything they see from their own little bubble sources. So anyway.
2: that Alex Jones.
1: Yeah. And by the way, all the intelligence gathered through microwaves. The intelligence is always really like blazing hot on the outside, but still frozen on the inside somehow.
2: Yeah, Somebody said something about a Hot Pocket thing. It was very funny. And somebody else was like, oh, yes, I've learned that my spying device also heats food.
1: (laughs) It's so stupid. Alright, so I gotta hear this uh this Ernie Anderson Tim Conway story again, if you can remember. and I, I know
2: which one I was talking about now. Okay, so they they were at a party. Okay, and Tim was going to go home, and he decided to change his look, and they took a <laughs> Polaroid of him, and uh what he did was he put toilet paper all the way around his face like a mummy. <laughs> And they took a photograph that was just the right size for him to put in his wallet in place of his driver's license picture.
0: <laughs> Jesus.
2: So, so he's driving home dressed like this, trying to get pulled over.
1: Now, was like, there, uh, was there uh, adult beverages involved in this plan?
2: I'm sure there were adult beverages involved. <laughs> yeah. I can't c- confirm nor deny, but it seems like that would have been a thing. Sure. And so Conway is driving around, literally trying to get pulled over, and it takes him a while. <laughs> but finally, he ran a light or a stop sign or something, and woo, you know, the guy pulls him over, and he rolls down his window, and he <laughs> grabs his wallet with his license in it and just looks at the guy, and the guy goes, license and in- Oh... <laughs>
1: Right, now I get it. Is that what he's saying?
2: Basically, he's like, just go. Just go. (laughs) And there was another time where he and his first wife, um, they were playing, I want to say it was Bridge, and he was bored out of his mind. Yeah. And so she's playing Bridge with her friends, and he goes, excuse me, I'm going to go to the restroom. So he goes into the restroom, and he's looking in there, and he sees a thing of Q-tips and a jar of Vaseline. Oh, God. So he proceeds to break... Q-tips in half right <laughs> And then st- stick Dots of Vaseline on his face And stick the wood end of the Q-tip into the Vaseline On his face so he was ended up Covered in Q-tips <laughs> well, That's just the, He walks out of the, uh, the, the Restroom and goes the Q-tip box Exploded and there he
1: ends... <laughs> See now that that's the Joke that's the big the Q-tip box Exploded right, right exploded that is unbelievable see now any normal mortal human being would have just stuck the q-tips up their nose and walked out and said been like what what are y'all right, laughing no, but, at but he had to take yeah that was just that was genius the q-tip box exploded
2: well what was even funnier was marianne his wife at the time looks up at him and goes Uh Uh-huh. So can we go on with the game?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, There's this this freak show that walks out of the bathroom and everyone kind of looks up. Oh, it's Tim. He's doing that again. Yeah,
2: whatever. Whatever. Just go sit down. He's doing the exploding
1: Uh, Q-tip thing again.
2: (laughs) Well, he also, when he was a kid, his dad was a really bad fixer of things. Like if the toaster was broken, he'd just make it more broken kind of thing. And their 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 doorbell he went to fix it, but what what he did apparently was he fixed it so that it rang all the time and when it didn't, people the people in the house would go, I'll get it. So it was bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. I'll get it.
1: god oh my god see now i could sit and listen to those stories all goddamn day long um i want to talk about i want to get into politics here because you're deeply ensconced in 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 talking about politics and covering politics on on from the bunker and 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 you can't avoid it now i mean it's not like yeah. you can say oh okay well you know i want to take a break from politics not follow anything that's going on right now and that's no, that's impossible. You can't do that anymore. So, um, just wanted to mention this before we, because I want to talk about healthcare. I want to get into uh, the the wiretap thing and Kellyanne Conway, as we talked about in just just a second ago. But mainly, there was a, something that, that came up yesterday, in fact, on uh, on the Stephanie Miller show. Jackie Schechner had seen it. Jackie Schechner joined us on the show yesterday morning. It was so much fun, especially doing the show. which I've never done the show with Jackie before, so it was really nice. And uh, she mentioned uh, that there was this executive order that was going to be signed that day, mm-hmm. yesterday, Monday, and the executive order is about, quote unquote, reorganizing not just, you know, what goes on in the White House, not just the senior staff or what happens in the West Wing, but the entire executive branch, yep. the entire executive branch. They're going to reorganize the entire executive branch. Now, they've packaged this. They have framed this as being a budget cutting measure where it's just something where, OK, we're going to eliminate any redundant agencies. That's what they're claiming. But this is all about i mean it 's really all about Steve Bannon kind of trying to rebuild one third of the federal government in his own image, and he's pro-
2: well yeah I mean, he said he wanted to dismantle the administrative state, so this yeah. is how you start
1: it's a, yeah it 's exactly right, and uh, Charlie Pierce wrote a great uh, column about it today. Uh, covering the whole thing, but here he quoted uh, the uh, sort of the description of what the executive order is all about, and says here the proposed plan shall include, as appropriate, recommendations to eliminate unnecessary agents, agencies, components of agencies. And agency programs and to merge functions. The proposed plan shall include recommendations for any legislative or administrative measures necessary to achieve the proposed reorganization. And something we talked about, in fact, we all after uh Chez's memorial on on what was it, Sunday? Did it happen on Sunday? Yep. I'm losing track of Sunday. the day. After that, we all went to dinner next door. It was uh, it was me. It was Stephanie. It was you and your husband Lonnie, and then uh, uh, Stephanie's friend Trish, and then uh, Rob was there. Ben Cohen from the Daily Banter was there. Ben's former business partner and friend Ari uh, Ari Rutenberg was in there too. And uh, I forget who. Am I missing anybody? I think that was no. Everybody. I
2: think you got everybody. Yeah, I think that's everybody.
1: And one of the things we talked about was the the Saturday Night Massacre when uh, when. Uh, Nixon fired his attorney general, then fired the assistant uh, attorney or the deputy attorney general, all in order to get uh, the uh, special prosecutor looking into Watergate fired. Now, I've been sort of focusing on that for almost a year now. Like if Donald Trump becomes president, this was during the campaign, Donald Trump becomes president, there's going to be a Saturday night massacre. And especially became that way when he when he started to go to war against the CIA during the transition. Now, Mm -hmm. I think what we're seeing is a slow motion Saturday night massacre that is much, much broader in scope. This is basically Donald Trump coming in using uh, some of these uh, these news stories about the CIA, using the wiretap story and now using this uh, whatever it is, a stupid budget cutting excuse to just lay waste to the executive branch. In, in, a, in a process, I mean, this is kind of the excuse, in a process to, uh, to shrink government down to a level, the, the Grover Norquist thing, where you can uh, shrink it down to a level that you can drown it in the bathtub. But, the, but it's really, Jody, about, isn't it, it's, it's more about Trump seeking revenge against anyone who might be disloyal. I mean, this is about like an enemies list.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, he already got rid of all the prosecutors in the attorney general's office that were appointees.
1: Oh, yeah, and and that's a whole... God, that's a whole other story. 46 federal prosecutors, including Preet Bharara, right. who, who, by the way, uh, Preet Bharara not only getting ready to investigate the Trump organization, if he hadn't already, uh, because of foreign influence, foreign money pouring into Trump Tower, which was Preet Bharara's uh, 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 turf there in Manhattan, but then also, we just learned yesterday that... <laughs> Preet Bharara was busily investigating. And in fact, it's going to a grand jury investigating Fox News Channel.
2: Yeah, at least it's going to a grand jury now. So it's out of his hands, technically. Yeah. Um, uh, so at least it, it's actually going to be investigated by something. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, according to rumor, they might be appointing Roger Ailes own lawyer, personal lawyer for for to fill uh, Preet's spot. Oh, my God.
1: That's unbelievable. See, now that's been the entire. I mean, that's the whole point of all of this, which is to get rid of anyone who Trump perceives as being disloyal to Trump. Mm -hmm. And, And this is just this is deeply despotic. It's it's I think in some cases it's probably criminal. To do what, what he's doing. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly he's really pushing the bounds of the mandate of the president at this point by just coming in and clearing house. Now, a lot of administrations come in uh, and speaking specifically to the, uh, the federal prosecutor firings or demanding their resignation, but they're really just firings. Uh, there's been precedent for that. Janet Reno came in and she replaced all of the federal prosecutors appointed before Clinton. Uh, but then she came in and she replaced the federal. And, and what happened was, and the big difference between what's happening now and what Janet Reno did is that Janet Janet Reno did it in a slow, methodical way, where there was a transition period between the outgoing. Federal prosecutors and the incoming federal prosecutors, so that there was a seamless transition of the investigations from one regime to the next. That's Same not with happening. Bush
2: and Obama as well. Bush kept a lot of Clinton people. Obama kept a lot of Bush people, so that the caseload makes sense and everybody knows what's happening.
1: Yeah, and and the thing with Preet Bharara is Trump famously summoned Preet Bharara to Trump Tower during the transition and and assured Preet Bharara. And I, by the way, I'm going to say Preet Bharara as often as possible because I just love to pronounce Preet Bharara. Um, How
2: many Star Wars names are there in this thing?
1: <laughs> it's like Preet Bharara uh, got into a lightsaber duel with Reince Priebus.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
1: Anyway, uh, so you have this guy, Preet Bharara, who was assured that he's going to keep his job. Trump specifically told him, we want to keep you on because you're doing such a great job, etc. cetera. And Preet Bharara was interviewed in the lobby of Trump Tower like so many other people were as they filed in and out during the transition and verified all of that. And now, two months later, he's fired. And I'm hoping that that transition period between being asked to resign and Preet Bharara actually being fired, personally by Donald Trump, by the way. Donald Trump called Preet Bharara, which is also, I think, a violation of the law.
2: Yeah, I believe so.
1: And so in that period of time, I'm really hoping that Preet Bharara took all of the materials that they had gathered in the investigation of both Trump Tower and Fox News Channel and, and just jammed it into a, uh, I don't know, like a, uh, a safe box at a bank or something like that, just vaulted it away so that the uh, the Trump minion who comes in to replace him doesn't get his hands on it or hands on it and just completely just uh, shred the whole thing.
2: I, I, hope he, I hope he can turn it into somebody else, some state prosecutor or something.
1: Yeah, it's got to be handed over to someone else who can pick up seamlessly where he left off. But of course... The uh, the uh, federal uh, prosecutor for the Southern District of New York is really the go to uh, prosecutor for for that sort of. Thing and I don't know who else would then pick up on it. I guess maybe the state attorney general. I'm not sure. But Schneiderman
2: uh, isn't he New York's attorney general? Schneiderman.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. He's good. Yeah, and and you know, Preperara was one of those guys who, and I, we're talking about him in the past tense. But as as a federal prosecutor, he took down the head or the the head of the um, bo- both Republicans and Democrats heading up right. the the New York State Legislature. You know, so it's it's not necessarily that Preet Barara is some sort of partisan Obama hack. You know, Dinesh D'Souza was calling uh, calling Preet Barrara one of Obama's capos, like as if as if Preet Barrara was a uh, like a, a mafia enforcer for Barack Obama, which wasn't the case at all. If he was, then he was a terrible, terrible mafia enforcer because he was also <laughs> prosecuting Democrats. But anyway, so that's it.' It's Saturday, it's, Jody it's Saturday night massacre happening in slow motion and in a much more vast way where there could be countless thousands of people as part of the executive branch bureaucracy all the way up to political pointies who are just going to end up out of work by yeah. the uh, and,
2: and well the whole it's like because all the executive branch includes your your cabinet. Spots too, Department of Energy, EPA, yep. State, Education, Treasury, Justice. And now it makes sense why he hired all these people to run these things. They're going to just cancel them. They're going to say, eh, let's all go home.
1: Yep, absolutely. We're going to take uh, another break here, and I want to get into uh, the CBO and, and healthcare and what's going on with that. And more stupid politics by Donald Trump and the stupid, stupid Donald Trump White House right after these words. Okay, you want to know the best way to support the show? The best way to support The Bob and Chez Show is to go shopping at Amazon.com using our Amazon link. Here's how you do it. Go to BobSeska.com and click the Amazon link in all caps just beneath the logo on the main page. The link takes you to the main page of Amazon.com as usual. You go shopping, we get a small commission from everything you buy. It costs you nothing extra, and it helps support the show. And if you run a small business and source your materials from Amazon, make sure to use the link for all your purchases. And don't forget to bookmark it. Thanks so much for supporting the show and our Amazon link.
0: Shove Bob Seska into your pants and haul him around with you wherever you go. Subscribe to The Bob Seska Show in the podcast section on iTunes
1: now i'm hearing buzz and i'm thinking ernie anderson <laughs>
0: oh
1: god okay by the way uh as i said there just a second ago uh the second half of today's show is brought to you by the BobSuska.com amazon link go use it it helps support the show we're a little bit behind this month on our uh, our quota for uh amazon shopping so go now to bobseska.com click the amazon link and uh shop 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 to your heart's desire okay Um, getting back into it, what we're going to talk about here, healthcare, um, healthcare, but I I think before we get into that, um, I had a couple, I had a question for you. And then I also want to get into something that's really crucial. That's going to be happening tomorrow. The first thing I want to ask you, Jody, in this segment is how are you dealing with this? How are you dealing with all of this stuff?
2: It's, um, the, the show helps. Stephanie helps wine helps. Um,
1: (laughs) maybe not necessarily in that order.
2: Not necessarily in that order. Uh, heart greens. Um, yeah. Uh, it it's it's difficult. I tr- what I've noticed, at least with like my Facebook feed. I mean, I'm always the big politic person, and mm-hmm. I either bug my friends or they love it. One of the two. Um, but I have noticed some other friends of mine that you know have been on Facebook as long as I have. They're starting to talk about this, which means. Something's definitely—it's not just me. I'm not the crazy person. It's—it's yeah. it's people that had never discussed politics on Facebook are doing it now.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, and and on one hand, it's it's kind of distressing that it's such a crisis that it it's wrapping in people who don't really cover this stuff or follow this stuff. But on the other hand, I'm I'm li- I like hearing that because. Maybe we'll Yeah, I have mean, some more pres- they
2: understand that it, is, it matters for once in their lives. I mean, some of these people are my age and some are a little bit older, some are younger. And I mean, even my uh, 20, how old am I? Carry the three, my 23-year-old grandnephew is almost starting to want to vote for the first time. Oh, um, wow. Uh, it's like, I wish he would, but um, he's a really smart kid and all this stuff. Good he just him. doesn't think that it counts, but it does count, obviously.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think that if there's any positive side effect to all of this horrendousness, it's going to be that there's going to be an increased amount of participation. But at the same time, I think people can sense that there's a really a, an electric, almost palpable sense of uh, something being horribly awry, but not just at the political level. There's something horribly awry at politics all the way down, through bleeding through the culture, too. And it's this rot. It's this sickness where bad behavior feels like it's been vindicated and and evil is is winning over and it's just i'm thinking in these broad terms that i think people who don't follow politics are actually beginning to sense and it sounds like you're seeing that too huh
2: it does. Uh, yeah I, I agree with you i think that that especially with this whole health thing people started to understand their insurance in 2009 2010 during the aca's passage and they were like kind of pissed off and it's like well this is what you've been dealing with haven't you been paying attention yeah and now that they've been used to the Affordable Care Act working, which it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it's helped me out. It saved me a small fortune already.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. Um, yeah.
2: And, and and I buy on the individual. I make too much money to be on the exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I don't bother with that. But um, it's I mean, I can switch insurance companies. uh Every, I had a well-woman visit. It's like, that's nice. I don't have to pay $200 to get a checkup. Thank you very much. You know, yeah, yeah. it's just little things like that that have added up birth control. I haven't had to pay for birth control. Not that I need it anymore because I'm done with that. But um, when I did need it, I didn't have to pay for birth control since 2010.
1: Oh, my God. See, it's just it, it, it's these stories. And you hear these stories from from just about everybody, especially those of us who are. And of course, we both of us, Jody, operate in circles where there are a lot of just independent contractors. People people who work for themselves people who work for mm-hmm. for other people as freelancers and it's these are the kinds of people who also need in addition to people who are in with the uh, the Medicaid expansion there are those mm-hmm. of us who work for ourselves and that's part of the bonus Aspect of the Affordable Care Act, which is it encourages entrepreneurship it encourages starting your own thing Um, and and you eliminate that and suddenly it's you're back to being a a slave to employment because of the health care and being in a job that maybe doesn't pay very well or that you're miserable in and then there's all kinds of repercussions because of that. Um, there are just innumerable reasons why the Affordable Care Act needs to just keep your f***ing tiny orange hands off of Obamacare. Thank you.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, and the thing that, that that Paul Ryan, that I just want to punch him. Um, I just want to punch him so hard in his
1: lemur
2: eyed face. Just Um, beat him
1: to death with his own shake weight.
2: Yeah, I mean it's 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 like he actually was interviewed. The other, I forget who was ta- who he was talking to, but mm. he was asked, "Well, do you know how many people are going to lose their insurance?" And he goes, "Well, I don't know that number. It's up to them."
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, he said. Uh, he said he's thrilled about the CBO analysis that came out yesterday because it's says, not as
2: bad as what he thought it would be. Yeah, it
1: exceeded his expectations. He said, exceeded. Ex- that is just staggering. That this horrendous, horrendous CBO report, which is verified by the White House itself, right. where twenty-four, according to the CBO, twenty-four million Americans will lose their health insurance if the American Health Care Act. F- yeah is passed by by Congress and signed by the president but the White House I'm going with the White House number whenever I quote this now and the White House went through and they used some of the CBO's methodology to do their own study and the the Trump White House the office of uh, the Office of Management and Budget as part of the Trump administration looked into this and said not 24 million 26 million people will lose their health insurance right
2: which is yeah, just. And, it, 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 and for, for uh, some of the things that also bother me, oh, it's going to lower your insurance uh, rates. It's like, no, because they're going to start offering junk insurance again, which doesn't cost you much if you're healthy.
1: That's right. But that's, you
2: can't use it.
1: That's the other big deal about this, Jody. I'm glad you brought that up because. The, one of the things is and this is kind of a takeaway that i'm sure fox news channel is running with and all the usual suspects and the conservative entertainment complex are all running with the fact that as you said this cbo report indicates that the rate of increase for premiums will not go up as high as it did like if you're if you're imagining the cost curve on a graph the cost curve is bent more in a lower sense with the republican plan but As you said, it's only because they're crappy plans that offer less less coverage and the deductibles will be much higher.
2: Yeah. I used to have a plan like that before the ACA because I I was on a good plan and then it was just at 30 years old, I was paying $500 a month and I'm like, okay, this I'm paying that now, by the way, and this is 20 years later, oh my God. um, with much better insurance coverage. yeah And so I was like, I can't afford this. I was able to within Blue Cross move around. I couldn't leave the company because I had pre existing conditions. So I had to stay within Blue Cross to find a plan within there yep. and found one. And it was like a, $10,000 deductible, everything. I mean, it was $85 to get brand uh, birth control a month. Thank you very much. Yep. Um, you know, and things like that. And it's like, okay, if I get, if something happens, at least my car insurance, I'll do it in a car. I'll get into a car wreck because my car insurance will cover me in the hospital. <laughs>
1: Jeez, and you know it's all of that kind of bargaining. I got in two thousand five. I lost my health insurance because I had I was paying for a group plan. In fact, because I had an animation studio at the time, I was making cartoons, and for my animators, I had employee based uh, health insurance through Blue Cross and suddenly out of nowhere they decided to jack the premiums through the roof that made it impossible for us to be able to afford health insurance at that point so it it actually started to crush my business a little bit because I couldn't do it so we had to drop that health insurance and then we tried to replace it with something else one of these sort of the fly-by-night pre-Obamacare policies that uh, like you said had there were just like gigantic catastrophic plans that just had terribly high deductibles the premiums were affordable but there wasn't much coverage there so there was no way to do that. And then then I then I closed down my animation studio a year after that. And then a year after that, I ended up getting uh, hit by a car while I was riding my bike and fractured a vertebrae. And now Ah. I've got now I then I had this pre existing condition uninsured. And then so then there was no way I was getting any health insurance, especially on the individual market. And then along comes Obamacare and, and ever since I've been insured with this great plan. And as we say, well, it's just, you know, I have a, I have a plan through a nonprofit HMO and it is an HMO, but it is for, for my level of health and my age an HMO works just fine. And yeah, I'm so I mean, grateful. I'm
2: a PPO, and it covers everything. And yeah. I, it was just lovely to have my my last uh, lady woman appointment, and go, "No, you don't owe us a dime." Oh,
1: it's so awesome. I, and I've been, I've had those visits too. I've had my lady parts uh, checked out, and <laughs> as you should, Bob. <laughs> I have. You know, I have gone in, and and I go up to the desk after the uh, after the examination, the sit down. It's all preventative stuff with the doctor, and I go up and say, "Well, what do I owe?" And they say, "Nothing. It's preventative. It's covered."
2: I know, and oh, that, that's great. something that they're not going to require anymore
1: Nope, absolutely not Alright, one last uh, break And we'll come back and wrap up with a couple things on, uh, on healthcare And then i got to talk about Uh oh, debt ceiling tomorrow Right after these words
0: Friends of Romans Bubbleheads Lend me your tubs We come to banish
2: dirt Not to raise it The evil that some soaps do lives
0: after them. Their good is oft washed down the drain. So let it not be with Bubble Genius.
2: It's the Ides of March, and Bubble Genius celebrates our world's rich history this March 15th, a.k.a. the day the world said, See you later, Caesar, with our bloodbath bubble bath. Have your own worldly wash in our bubbly, sweet-smelling bubble bath without all that bother of doing anyone in. So toss on a toga, lay on your laurel, and bubble down with us. Bloodbath. By Bubble Genius, the home of natural
0: and fun bath and body products.
2: Beware the ides of surfactants. Only at bubblegenius.com. I'm Mark Antony, and I approve this message.
0: The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com
1: Welcome back. Does your Does your heart start racing every time you hear this music, Jody? Every time what? Every time you hear this music? Always. <laughs> Judy in the sky uh, Jody on the show. <laughs> I uh, I wanted to mention, too, I, I got to spend a lot of time with Paula and Sarah from Bubble Genius uh, over the weekend. I went down to L.A. for Chez's Memorial, and and uh, and they're just they're so great. I just I love the the ladies from Paula from uh I almost said the ladies from oh, Paula yeah, yeah. Uh, the ladies from Bubble Genius and if you if you haven't bought any Bubble Genius soap in all the time that that Paula has been supporting this show please go this week but just buy a ton of soap from BubbleGenius.com, and I swear to God, you won't regret it, especially my favorite soap, which is actually, the, the name of the soap is Bob's Favorite Hibiscus Soap, because it is my favorite soap from Bubble Genius. It's shaped like a hibiscus flower, smells like hibiscus flowers, and the, the great thing about this soap is it feels really good in your hands. When you're washing your hands, it almost like massages your hand, and I think it was an unintentional thing. I don't think they intended, oh, let's make this hibiscus soap so it's you know it feels good in your... But I just noticed this. Like they sent me a bunch of this, that soap years ago. And ever since then, I just love using this hibiscus soap because, it, you know, I get a little hand massage. How about that?
2: Nice. That sounds, that sounds very sexy, Bob.
1: Yeah. I always need to keep, keep uh, my hands in uh, good working order, you know, for <laughs> all <laughs> of those. Idle hands
2: are the devil's workshop.
1: All of those things, you know, that you do with your hands. Um, <laughs> so, uh, tomorrow. This is a big deal. Tomorrow is not only the Ides of March, or, or mm-hmm. as Bubble Genius says, the Ides of surfactants. Uh, tomorrow is also when the debt ceiling is supposed to be raised. Right. This is, a, this is kind of a big deal because for, uh, maybe since he started running for president, Donald Trump has been bitching and whining about the debt. Stop whining. And... Uh, And this is going to be the first opportunity where we have an entirely Republican Congress and a Republican president, and they're faced with increasing the debt ceiling, which, as we all remember, they played grab ass and they played brinksmanship with the debt ceiling, threatening the uh, the credit of the United States, threatening the world economy. And you better you better believe that what they're going to do tomorrow is raise the debt ceiling again they have to yeah they of course they absolutely have to and and no one would blame them no reasonable person would blame them for doing that other than the hypocrisy of it and right. it always comes down to the hypocrisy it's the hypocrisy stupid and exactly. and this is one of those cases where you know remember uh, back i think i've got some quotes here october 2015 donald trump mm-hmm. said all right well what we're gonna do he was asked about the debt ceiling all right what we're gonna do I mean, we do, and by the way, it's not 18 trillion. It's now nineteen trillion. So we have now nineteen trillion in deficits. That's wrong. It's nineteen trillion in debt, but okay. Nineteen trillion. You know, if you look, we owe I'm I'm reading this verbatim. I'm gonna start this again. This is an actual Donald Trump quote, and it sounds like there are no verbs or nouns in this. I miss Sarah Palin so much. (laughs) It is very Palin-esque, isn't it? Okay, here we go again. All right, well, what we're going to do, I mean, we do, and by the way, it's not 18 trillion, it's now 19 trillion. So we have now 19 trillion in deficits. Wrong. 19 trillion, you know, if you look, we owe. When I say that we owe, this is what you're talking about. We owe 19 trillion as a country, and we're gonna knock it down and we're gonna bring it down, big league, and quickly, we're gonna bring jobs back, we're gonna bring business back. We're going to stop our deficits. We're going to stop our deficits. We're going to do it very quickly. That was Donald Trump in October of 2015. He's also referred to himself as the king of debt. He's also also said, Jody, remember this one, where he was asked on CNBC by uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin, who I always want to just refer to as Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Aaron, Aaron Ross Sorkin. Um, He was asked about the debt, and here's what Donald Trump replied about The debt. Yeah, I think, look, I have borrowed knowing that you can pay back with discounts, and I have done very well with debt. Now, of course, I was swashbuckling, and it did well for me, and it was good for me, and all that. And, you know, debt was sort of always interesting to me. Now we're in a different situation with the country, but I would borrow knowing that if the economy crashed, you could make a deal. And if the economy was good, it was good. So, therefore, you can't lose. And, like, you know, you make a deal before you go into a poker game, and your odds are so much better. That is the stupidest goddamn thing i've ever seen
2: i don't know how anybody thinks this man is smart
1: i i really don't know he is basically talking about and of course this isn't going to happen tomorrow but this was his pitch to 62 million naive ignorant people who were tricked suckered into voting for this guy his line was jody that he'll just come in and when faced with the debt ceiling He'll just renegotiate the debt for 50 cents on the dollar or whatever he does by jipping his subcontractors <laughs> out of their payment. Usually, you know, but this is something that's not going to happen. But he promised that it would that he was going to come in and do this. Once again, another Donald Trump promise lost because Donald Trump doesn't know what the hell he to- he's talking about. Donald Trump knows nothing.
2: He, and he's lazy, and uh, there's so many things about... I, seriously, I, I really wish Sarah Palin were there. At least she kind of understood governing.
1: Yeah, exactly, She because she, she kind of did it. She kind of did it for a very short period of time, and that half-term as governor of Alaska, and then before that, she was, what, mayor of mayor Wasilla? Mayor of Wasilla, yeah. But, I mean, at least uh, she was doing it, you know?
2: Yeah, for better or worse, she was doing it. It's like even Reagan, for fuck's sake, you know? Um, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I don't. I, know. I, I just don't, a good friend of mine. Um, uh, she's like talking to some of her family members. She goes, "There is a different reality." Yeah, and and we're in one reality, and they're in another one, and never the twain shall meet. We're the man in the high castle. We're we're the other fringe episodes. You know, it's just this weird thing going on, and I don't get how to get through.
1: Yeah, that's just it. I mean, it's it's going to be there is no way really to break down that wall. The only thing that I think we can hope for is that the people who are still sort of waffling, they don't know this. I mean, even voters, people who voted for Donald Trump, they, there are still some of them who don't know. Eh, I don't know. There's always the loyalists and you're never going to change their minds. But there are people who are soft in their support for Donald Trump, who I think who I think can be picked off, or at least I'd like to hope that they'll be picked off because it's not that big a leap from 42% approval rating right now or whatever it is. I think it d- suddenly dropped by in Gallup down to 39 again, but it's in the 40% range. Not that big of, a, uh, of an ask to get from 40% to 46%, which is what he needed to, to win the presidency uh, last time around. Right. So to do that again, I don't think would be that much of a challenge for him. And which is one of the reasons why he's doing so much pandering to his base. Uh, well, I
2: think that if 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 the GOP's health care tax break um, goes through as written, mm-hmm. which it probably will not because it's not bad enough for some people and obviously not good enough for the rest of us. Um, there's a friend of mine. She's in her you know early 50s and she's going to be affected by this. And I think maybe she'll turn on him finally.
1: Yeah. God, we dare to dream, huh? That'd be great.
2: I mean, I don't want people to get hurt, but if that's the only way that they're gonna wake up. Well, the,
1: the, here's I mean, here's the other thing about all of this, which is just this uh ongoing train wreck when it comes to White House communications, and I guess we gotta bring in this music.
0: We the till, the
1: Sean Spicer. Little Shawnee Spicer. Spicy! Uh just seriously walking back the uh, wiretap allegations with his teeny tiny legs. Oh yeah, that's
0: legs. hilarious.
1: Yeah, just so funny yesterday seeing him kind of worm his way around all of this. It's like, th- with the wiretap stuff, it's just like, it's this verbal jujitsu that he's playing with the uh, press corps, the where they're saying, oh stupid autoplay video, uh, where they're saying, you know, the press corps is just trying to lasso him and trying to say, hey, look, if the president's got the evidence, why is he asking Congress to produce the same evidence that he already has? And they're, and they're trying different ways to explain that to him and he's just, he's just not getting it or he's just trying to dodge so desperately uh to the point of being like almost flop sweat worthy he said here uh I, he said i think there's no question that the obama administration that there were uh, actions about surveillance and other activities that occurred in the 2016 2016 election the president used the word wiretaps in quotes to mean broadly surveillance and other activities which is now, of course, the White House line and one that Kelly Kellyanne Conway made absolutely famous uh, yesterday, mm. or over the weekend, I think it was, by talking about how microwaves can turn into cameras, etc. <laughs> I like the etc. part. Turned microwaves into cameras. Here's here's that uh, here's that little piece of audio of uh, Kellyanne Conway talking about microwaves turning into cameras.
2: What I can say is there are many ways to surveil each other now, unfortunately. Do you believe uh, there that was, an, was... There was an article this week that talked about how you can surveil someone through their phones, through their uh, certainly through their television sets, <laughs> uh, any number of different ways, and microwaves that turn into cameras, etc. So we know that that is... If- <laughs> what?! I know. It, it, she's crazy. I, 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 she's, know. She, I don't know. I, she's the opposite of Dorian Gray. The yeah. painting's not aging, and she is.
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, here's the weird thing about all of this, Jody, which is that already this feels like old news. It feels like mm-hmm. the. Mo- and it was just yesterday. This was a story that was happening yesterday, and it feels like 10 months ago that we were talking so even talking about it feels like well i can i think we've spent all the capital for the or i should say all the comedy capital <laughs> for this yes. particular thing so it feels like going over it again is uh is repetitive but it's not it's something that they're doing they're actually and there are people who are going yeah that makes sense i uh-huh. mean they're, they're actual trump people who are going that makes perfect sense the microwave and then she said and then she walked it back almost immediately by making another unfortunate pop culture reference. And here's that one. Chris,
2: I'm not Inspector
0: Gadget. I, I don't believe people are using the microwave <laughs> to spy on the Trump campaign. <laughs> like,
1: sure. Whatever you say, Kellyanne Conway, she's not Inspector Gadget. Uh,
2: yeah, that's that's the, that's my favorite is that. It's, she just, it's, yeah, I'm tired. Like, can we do four years of this? I don't think so.
1: Yeah, and it's not, you know, Right, she's not, okay, I get it. She's not Inspector Gadget. She's walking back a stupid claim. Right. So so we get that. But at the same time, it's like, it's adding more bulls**t onto the giant heap of bulls**t that, you know, it is distracting. I don't think it's distracting by design. I don't think there's any three-dimensional chess happening in the White House, but I do think it is distracting just by the nature of it. It's like... We've got, now we've got to swat this down. Inspector Gadget, microwaves turning it. What? That's the worst <laughs> thing about that. And that, you know what? That's one of the things that, that got under Chez's skin. And that's why he's, one of the reasons why he's not here. Because he feels like, he felt right. like, Jody, he, could, he couldn't deal with four years of just swatting down Inspector Gadget references and obvious lies where Trump is watching Fox and Friends. That's frightening. That's terrifying. It is
2: frightening. It's, it's, it's frightening. And, and the fact is, is, is yes, it's been, what, 50 days, maybe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 can we already do another election, please?
1: <laughs> I know. I mean, everyone, I think that would be the highest turnout of any election in the history of the United States if they did a revote on all of this.
2: Yeah, all the people that didn't vote that are registered properly and have the, you know, what you need to vote, they would have all come out uh, on a revote. We would probably have an 80% turnout, 90% turnout.
1: Easily. And you know what? The, the secret, I think, to doing something like that is making sure Russia doesn't find out about it. I think we'd have to do it that way. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, I, I I'm I'm so
1: tired <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I feel it I'm right there with you I find myself like at the end of it, I don't know if you feel that this way about the uh, once you've wrapped up a from the bunker podcast I feel right. like I've run a marathon after doing this show for the past uh, few weeks it's just like oh my god oh my god <laughs> I'm just like I've got my hands on my knees I'm sort of hunched over just mouth open you know just sweating going
2: <sighs> yeah oh my god. I, I, I I'm just- it's hard
0: to
1: sleep (laughs) yeah it's hard to sleep because you don't know what's going to happen at any moment and i'm just waiting for that that bad news to come i mean the really horrendous like terrorist attack or trump's decided to go after north korea with an icbm or just some i feel like there's another shoe that's going to drop and i'm terrified of what that other shoe is going to be because it's going to be bad i
2: agree yeah it is it is it's terrifying he terrifies
1: me yeah so, okay we're, uh, we're we're out of time We uh, Notify the affiliates We were a little late We're now like 10 minutes late uh, Gonna do the post-mortem show next At patreon.com Slash Bob and Chez Go to patreon.com Slash Bob and Chez Gotta do something about the name there But Alright And uh, support the show For $5 a month You get uh, two post-mortem shows A week $10 a month You get two postmortem shows Plus the after party $15 a month You get two postmortem shows The after party Plus an unbleeped Commercial free version Of this show That you just heard And and other, other free shows too Again uh, Thank you for supporting the show Thank you for uh, All of the support That uh, You know Everyone who's been Emailing me And texting me About uh, Chez It was so great To meet uh, all of you At the uh, Memorial on On Sunday And uh, Thank you for coming And participating in that All right Continuing on with Jody on the postmortem show. That's coming up next. Take care, folks. Bye-bye.